This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyiyati amalina من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان خير الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار that is known as khutbah al-haja Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to teach it to his companions may Allah be pleased with them with the same emphasis and the same attention that he would pay to teach them verses and surahs and chapters of the Quran it is beneficial knowledge that we encourage every brother every sister even if you're not a khatib to memorize it because the companions used to memorize it may Allah be pleased with all of them although they were not given any khutbas but because of the knowledge that is contained in khutbatul haja they used to learn it and then they would teach it to their children and they would teach it to their children and so forth and so on as we relate to today's dars which is the first actual hadith that we're going to take from the 40 hadith of the book the 40 hadith of the dawa the call to al-islam the dawa as well as the caller in which the sheikh ali hassan al-halabi al-athari rahimahullahu ta'ala has chosen 40 authentic hadith to bring them to the forefront for every muslim man every muslim woman who is engaging in giving dawah they have a concern for a dawah we're leaving in a time right now where unfortunately because of the liberalism because of the progressiveness allahu alam these things are called with these names and it's not really true but because of these issues every amr bakr and zaid from our community believes that it's okay for him or her just to talk about whatever they want to talk about and how they want to talk about it and the situation is not like that we should talk about that which we have knowledge of and that which is beneficial so memorizing this khutbatul haja is from the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam the one who does it i guarantee you inshallah 
that your iman will grow up, it will grow, it will go up, it will elevate. Today, inshallah, the very first hadith that the Shaykh brought, Rahmatullahi alayhi wa ghafarullahu lana wa lahu, is the hadith of Umar. May Allah be pleased with Umar ibn al Khattab. He said that he heard the Prophet say, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, in an authentic hadith. The Prophet said, إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مْرِئٍ مَا نَوَى فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ لَاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجْرَتُهُ لَاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ لِلدُّنْيَا يُصِيبُهَا أَوْ امْرَأَةٍ يَنْكِحُهَا فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى مَا هَاجْرَ إِلَيْهِ Tremendous hadith. Umar said that he heard the Prophet say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, verily, the deeds and the actions that people do, they're going to be judged based upon their intentions. The intentions that people have when they do those actions, that's how those actions are going to be judged. He went on to say in the hadith, so anyone who performed hijrah for Allah and His Messenger with ikhlas, with sincerity, then his hijrah will be for Allah and his messenger. And he'll get rewarded comparable to that. And anyone who performed hijrah in order to get something from the dunya or in order to marry a woman or anything like that, something secondarily, something that is for other than Allah, if he performed hijrah for other than Allah and his messenger, then his reward would be comparable to what he actually made hijrah for. What was his intent? There's a tremendous hadith of Al-Islam. As the scholars of Al-Islam used to mention in the past. Uh, Sheikh Ali Al-Halabi, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, Rahmatun Wasi'ah. As we mentioned in our last class, the introduction to the last class. He wrote another book. The 40 Hadith of the Islamic Personality. And it is the sister to this book that we're dealing with in this class. And in that original book, the 40 Hadith in the Islamic Personality, we explained this Hadith already. And we talked about the virtues of this Hadith already. So we're not going to go over all of that because you can go back in Shawazwajal and you can find out what was said back then. But in reality, if someone were to do a course, not just one class, but a course on this particular hadith, then he would not have been, you know, doing something that was a waste of time. Because this hadith is one of the hadith of Al-Islam that the whole religion of Al-Islam revolves around. The whole religion. So someone may ask, why did a Sheikh Ali Al-Halabi, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, in his first book, he started off the 40 hadith of the Islamic character with this hadith. And now in the second book, he started it off with the same hadith. One of the reasons clearly because this is an important hadith. Those of you who are new to Al-Islam and you're hearing this hadith for the first time, then take the time out to learn as much as you can about this hadith. And those of you who have heard the hadith before, everything that should be mentioned today, inshallah, should just be a refresher of things that you already know and nothing should be new. Nothing should be new because we should have learned this hadith and we should spend time making efforts to get fiqh and comprehension 
of this hadith. Another reason why a Sheikh Ali al-Halabi could have started this hadith or this book with the same hadith that he started the sister book with is because of the great scholar of Al-Islam, Al-Imam Abdurrahman ibn Mahdi, Rahmatullahi alayhi. He was from the ulama, the shuyukh of Al-Imam al-Shafi and people like that. Al-Imam al-Shafi said about him, I have seen nobody similar to him as it relates to this issue, the issue of knowledge. He was one of the ten people who was considered to be Amir al-Mu'mineen in the hadith. One of the ten muhaddithin who took the highest level of what a muhaddith can be described as above al-Imam, above al-Hafid. He is called Amir al-Mu'mineen fil hadith. Al-Imam Abdurrahman ibn Mahdi Rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi, he said, if someone wanted to author a book and write a book, then I would advise and I would suggest that everybody who wants to write a book, let him begin his book with this hadith because of its importance, because of its significance. Some of the scholars of Al-Islam, they said that Al-Imam al-Bukhari started his Sahih, Sahih al-Imam al-Bukhari, just making barakah with this particular hadith. Some people said the reason why he made this the first hadith in his book is because A, B, C, D. They give their reasons. One of the reasons is people said just because of the barakah and the seriousness of this particular hadith. So we find many of the scholars before Sheikh Ali al-Halabi using this hadith as the first hadith of their books as a way, inshallah, not only the knowledge that's entailed in the hadith, but also to get the barakah, like the famous book, Umdatul Ahkam, that tremendous book where you get fiqh from the hadith of the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Very first hadith in that book is, Innamal A'maru Binniyat. Also, Al-Imam Al-Nawwi, Rahmatullahi Ta'ala Alayhi. That tremendous scholar who Allah Ta'ala has caused the Ummah of Islam to accept and to embrace his ta'lifat. The books that he authored, the Ummah, they have accepted it. Like the book, Riyadh al-Saliheen. The very first hadith in that book, إِنَّمَ الْأَعْمَارُ بِالنِّيَادِ Verily, the deeds and the actions will be judged by the intention. The 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawwi. The very hadith, first hadith, إِنَّمَ الْأَعْمَارُ بِالنِّيَادِ is the hadith that we're dealing with. And also Imam Al-Nawwi Rahmatullahi Ta'ala alayhi has a book called Kitab Al-Afkar. Al-Afkar, in which he deals with the different remembrances, the afkars that you should know during the night and the day and during your normal, you know, life during the course of the day where the Prophet told us to be of those people who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a lot, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In that book, Kitab Al-Afkar, Al-Imam Al-Nawwi Rahmatullahi Ta'ala Alayhi, he began that book as well with this hadith. Verily the deeds will be based and they will be judged upon the intention. So the point here is, many of the ulama of Islam, they begin their books with this particular hadith going to show the importance of it. Now if you were to look at what the scholars of Islam had to say about this hadith, for hadith wala haraj, those scholars said that this is one of the three ahadith in al-Islam 
that the whole religion of Al-Islam revolves around. This one and the other hadith, whoever does or introduces something that's not from our religion, it will be rejected. And then the third hadith, verily the halal is clear and the haram is clear. And between the two of them is the gray area that not many people know about. So this hadith is one of those hadith that the scholars of Islam said, the whole religion revolves around this hadith. Al-Imam Ahmed, Al-Imam Al-Shafi'i, Rahmatullahi alayhima. Both of them said that today's hadith, Innam al-A'malu bin-Niyat, is a hadith that is equivalent to a third of all of Islam. And that's because as it relates to the actions of the slave, no matter who he is, no matter who she is, rich, poor, Muslim, non-Muslim, as it relates to the kasb of the af'al, the kasb of the a'mal, how people get good and how people get evil is connected to three things. The first thing is, it's connected to their tongue. If they make da'wah illallah, if they make al-amr maruf and nayan al-munkar, if they make the afkar, if they say what is khair, if they hold their tongue and remain quiet, and they prevent it from saying falsehood and so forth and so on, you get kesp, you get rewards. If you don't do it the right way, you get evil against you. The second way of getting rewards is through your limbs, your arms, your legs, your limbs, all of your limbs, all of them, your eyes, your ears, everything. So if a person uses his limbs to walk to the masjid, uses his limbs to memorize the Qur'an, to pray the salah, to make hajj and umrah, to wear hijab and to go to the madrasa and to do all of these things, then you'll get a reward. If you do it and you use your limbs for the wrong reasons, then you get the kesp of evil, punishment. And Allah knows best. And thirdly and finally, the scholars of Islam said, the third way that a person gets reward is his heart, what he intends. He may intend to do something that he doesn't do, or maybe he does do it. The fact that he intended it in his heart, he made toba, he wanted to make toba, but he wasn't able or capable of accomplishing the thing that he set out to do, he'll still get a reward. And some of the scholars, as a result of that, they said that the actions are important, but the niyat are just as important, are just as important. So because the actions of the heart is one-third of that, this is why some of the scholars said that Al-Imam Ahmed and Al-Imam Shafi'i, Rahmatullahi Alayhima, and other than them, they said that this hadith today is a hadith that is equivalent to a third of all of Islam because it deals with the issue of the heart. Some of the scholars said it is a half of all of Islam because the deeds and the actions are divided into two categories. The first category is those things, the arkan of your actions. The, 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 your actions, the first thing is, you have to have the correct niyat. The second thing is, your action has to be in accordance to the book of Allah and to the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So therefore, rectifying, purifying, your niyat is half of your existence. And the other half of your existence, the other half, it entails the individual doing things the right way, the way that they have been legislated. 
This hadith has been collected by Imam al-Bukhari and al-Imam Muslim and they are Sahihain. So it's the highest level of a hadith in the dunya. And the narrator of the hadith is none other than Umar, Ibn al-Khattab, Ibn Nufail, Ibn Abdul Uzza, Al-Qurashi, Mimbani Makhzum. Umar radiallahu anhu is and was a tremendous personality in Al-Islam. His fadail, his manaqib are just too many to enumerate. But if a Muslim is trying to struggle to worship Allah, then definitely Umar radiallahu anhu is one of those personalities that it is worth your while, it is worth my while. You new Muslims, you revert Muslims, you people were practicing from recent times, come to know this man. If you can pattern your Islam after Umar, inshallah, as Allah was pleased with him, Allah will be pleased with you, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. That's not to say that he is ma'asum and he doesn't make mistakes and he is a Nabi and a Rasul. No. Prophet Muhammad said and it shows the virtues of Umar, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa radiyallahu anhu, law kana ba'di nabiyan, la kana Umar. If there was a Nabi who would come after me, it would have been Umar. But there is no Nabi after the Prophet of Islam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Umar ibn al-Khattab, was one of those powerful personalities in Al-Jahiliyyah. He was born 13 years after the year of the elephant, the Am Al-Fil. And as you know, inshallah, the Prophet wasallam, he was born in the year of the elephant, the year that Abraha came to destroy the Kaaba. And that is one of the ten Last uh, surahs of the Quran, Tabbat Yada Abi or the other surah of the Quran, Alam So Umar is 13 years junior to the Nabi of Islam, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Taslim and Kathira. He has, as I mentioned, many virtues. Now is not the time to go into all of that. But I didn't speak much about him in the first class. And it is, again, something that I would like to do because, again, Umar radiallahu anhu, if you get on the religion of Umar, inshallah, Allah will be pleased with you. He will be pleased with you the same way that he was pleased with Umar radiallahu anhu. From the munaqib, from the munaqib and from the fadail of Umar is that as it has been mentioned in this hadith, they called him the Amir al-Mu'mineen. The Amir al-Mu'mineen. Umar was the first Muslim from the companions who was given this nickname by the companions. He had another nickname which was Al-Faruq. Al-Faruq. Because he was the one that distinguished between the Haq and Baltil. What was true and what was falsehood. He is from his virtues the dua of the Prophet ﷺ, who when the Muslims were in need of help, and they were in need of assistance, and they were in need of people coming to Islam, that the non-Muslims of Quraysh would reckon with, and the non-Muslims of Quraysh would be afraid of and respect, he made a dua, Allahumma a'izza islam bi ahadir rajulain ahabbu ilayka. Oh Allah, help this religion of Al-Islam by guiding one of the two men, the one or the, the two that you love the most. 
between either guy Umar ibn al-Khattab or guy Amr ibn Hisham who was none other than Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered the dua of his Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he guided Umar to al-Islam. The companions of al-Islam said from the day that Umar embraced al-Islam the Muslims had honor and strength and it never decreased because prior to Umar being a Muslim it was easy pickings for the non-Muslims to harm and to persecute and to annoy and to bother the Muslims. But when Umar became a Muslim, they started to give a thousand hisab, a thousand considerations, who they're going to bother and whether or not they will bother that individual. So he is a man who is Aziz and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a'azzal islama bihi. Allah honored al-Islam with him. Radiallahu anhu. In this authentic hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam, he said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned a hadith that is for the most part self-explanatory. It's pretty clear. There's no hidden meanings in this particular hadith. It's from the Juwami al-Kalim of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it places emphasis on the purification of one's niyyat, the importance of one's intention whoever made the intention of performing hijrah and al-hijrah in the arabic language it means to abandon something to leave something just to leave something so the people make hajar of each other they stop speaking to each other they start visiting each other that is al-hajar and hijrah is from this name it's from this word al-hijrah the meaning of it is to leave a country of kufr or disbelief for a person to go to a place and leave that place to go to a place the country of al-islam so the hadith said anyone who makes that tremendous journey and he leaves dar al-kufr and he goes to dar of al-islam seeking allah's favor allah's face he has sincerity because of the virtues that have been mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah about the Hijrah, he does it for Allah and he does it to get his reward from Allah. That's it. Anyone who does it for that reason, then he'll get his reward because he had ikhlas and he did it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he didn't do it to show off, he didn't do it for riyah. The hadith said, and anyone who performs Hijrah or any other ibadah from the ibadat of Al Islam, not just Hijrah. You can replace hijrah with any form of ibadah. Anyone who goes to the masjid, anyone who sits after the dhikr, anyone who gets up and does the sunnah prayers, anyone who gives sadaqah to poor people so that other people can see him, anyone who makes hijrah in order to get something from the dunya. He just made hijrah to go over there to go into business. So he made hijrah because everyone is leaving this place where he was originally living and now all of his customers have left, so he's going to leave as well to make hijrah for the customers and for the money. Or he made hijrah for a woman to marry her. Then his reward will be comparable to what his niyyat was about. It's important, very important, that you pay attention right here. And that is because a lot of people misunderstand this hadith and they mix up some issues with this hadith. They say that 
this hadith, the reason why the Prophet said it, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, was due to a lady by the nickname of Umm Muhajir, the mother of Hijrah. Umm Muhajir, the mother of the one who made Hijrah. The mother of Hijrah. This is what this hadith is called. The hadith said that there was a man back in Mecca who wanted to marry this particular woman. And she made hijrah to Al-Medina. And the man was serious and he was focused about marrying this particular woman. And she also wanted to marry him. But she didn't want him and he remained with the kuffar of Quraysh. And she remained in the land of the polytheists. So she said to him, if you make hijrah to Al-Medina, then I'll marry you. And then the man made hijrah to Al-Medina. This hadith has been graded authentic by a number of the scholars of Islam, like Al-Imam Ibn Hajar, who explained these hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari and Fath al-Bari, as well as the great scholar Imam Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, who also has a book where he explains Sahih al-Bukhari. Both of them, and other than them, they said that this hadith of Umm Muhajir is an authentic hadith. That really happened. But it didn't happen because of the hadith, That hadith, verily the deeds will be judged by their niyat, that happened for something else. And the hadith of Umm Muhajir, that hadith of that lady, that was for something else. So don't say anymore, this hadith is because of that situation. There's another issue we would like to bring to your attention, brothers and sisters, and we hope you pay attention and go back and study this a little bit more so that it will sink in and we can stop spreading these false ideas and a hadith that are not authentic or a hadith that are authentic, but we're using them the wrong way. And sometimes when we use these hadith that are not authentic, it's a problem. Like Umar, radiallahu anhu, we owe a great debt of gratitude to the Amir al-Mu'mineen, Umar ibn al-Khattab. There are a lot of hadith talking about his virtues. Many. You don't have to rely on any weak hadith when it comes to, what do you want to know about Umar? Those hadith talking about his virtues are many. But there are some hadith that instead of people discarding, they hold on to these weak hadith that actually show Umar in a negative light. So we just want the community to stop doing this. I'll give you an example of those hadith with Umar. The fact that in Jahiliyyah, it is said that Umar took his infant girl and buried the girl alive. And the girl was wiping off the dirt and the sand out of his lihya, out of his beard, while he was burying her. That's not authentic. And Umar was not like that. And to narrate that hadith, it reflects negatively on Umar. May Allah be pleased with him. Even if it was in Jahiliyyah. He didn't do that. Another example of those weak, famous hadith is that he heard his sister and her husband reading from the Quran. And he came into the house and insisted that they show him and share with him what they were reading. His sister refused, so he hit her, struck her a few times, and drew blood from his sister. La, la, wallahi. That shows Umar in a negative light. And it's not even authentic, subhanAllah.
many ahadith are like that. There are many ahadith that are like that. Umar radiallahu anhu was an individual who he had good akhlaq, he had good adab. So if it is authentically established that he did something in jahiliyyah that was negative, then we'll mention it in its proper context. And we won't decontextualize it or take it out of context. But many of these famous ahadith that Umar is wrong and the lady is right and she has more knowledge than Umar, it's not authentic. These ahadith are famous and they are many. Umar and other than Umar, radiallahu anhu. There's another hadith, as I was mentioning, we want to connect it to this hadith of Umm Muhajir and this hadith of Innamal Amaru Binniyat. And that is, as we said, that the incident of the man going to marry Umm Muhajir is an authentic incident, but it has nothing to do with the hadith of Umar that we're talking about today. But there is a situation that was similar to that, I want to talk about it very quickly. One of the tremendous personalities of Al-Islam is the lady who was known as Umm Sulaim. She's the mother of Anas ibn Malik, one of the six companions that narrated the majority of the hadith. One of the companions of the Prophet by the kunya of Talha, who was from the rich people from the Ansar. He wanted to marry that lady, but he was a mushrik kafir and she was a Muslima mu'mina. So when he went to ask her hand for marriage, she said, no, you're not the type of man who a woman would reject to get married. But I'm going to reject you because you are a non-Muslim. And I'm a believing woman. I'm a Muslimah. And it's something that is not permissible. This is one of the clear delils that the so-called progressive and liberal Muslims need to hear. Based upon the Quran. Based upon the Sunnah. She said, you are not Muslim, and I'm a Muslim woman, and it's not permissible for me to marry you. But I tell you what, if you accept Al-Islam, you say the shahada, shahadu wa la ilaha illallah, if you make that testimony, then I will marry you. He said, okay. He said, okay. He wanted to marry her. So he made the shahada, and the Prophet knew about that, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he became a Muslim, he started looking at the Muslims, started seeing how they behaved, how they were. Being a person that had a lot of money, he gave a lot of wealth to the Prophet wasallam in the beginning of his Islam, at a time when the Muslims needed that money as well. So he gave the Prophet wasallam from the best property that he had. You know how some people can give you the food that is about to spoil or the food that is not as fresh as the other food. Or they give you money, but it's not from the best of their money. And it's not that they have to do that. Prophet Muhammad used to warn Mu'adh ibn Jabal, beware of the best of the money of the people when you take their zakat. Don't take the best of their money. But people tend to give the worst of what they have. But this man, Abu Talha, may Allah be pleased with him, he gave the best of his money. He gave a garden, a hadiqa, a bustan that was from the, it was the best of his money and he gave it to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah revealed the ayat, make it tazkiyah of him. You people will never get righteousness 
until you give freely, freely from that which you love. When his ayat was revealed, Abu Talha said, I love this garden. And he gave it, fi sabirillah. So this particular hadith, it has nothing to do with nor does it conflict with because someone may come and say well what about what happened with Abu Talha didn't he marry Um Sulaim just for Al-Islam we say no he married Um Sulaim because she was a good woman and he didn't do it just for his desires proof of that is right away he was interested in the religion and as soon as he heard that ayat from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a new Muslim, he gave from the best of his wealth. May Allah ta'ala be pleased with that particular man, Abu Talha, and the rest of the companions of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. So this is a tremendous hadith in al-Islam. And Imam Ahmed again, he said he doesn't know any hadith from the ahadith of Rasulullah sunnah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that is ajma' and aghna as it relates to its benefits than this hadith. This hadith brings more khayr together. It brings a lot of khayr. And Imam al-Shafi'i said, this hadith is connected to 70 different babs of fiqh. Everything in the religion, whether it's dealing with the ahkam of al-Islam, whether it's dealing with the mu'amalat of al-Islam, whether it's dealing with the ibadat of al-Islam, whether it's dealing with the ankiha, getting married in al-Islam, whether it's dealing with the talaq in al-Islam, this hadith is connected to it. Tremendous hadith in the religion of al-Islam. And it's from those many hadith and many adilla that go to show the importance. And this is why Sheikh Ali al-Halabi, rahmatullahi ta'ala, brought this hadith. The hadith goes to show anyone who's given dawah, engaged in the dawah, then that individual has to rectify his niyyat and he has to struggle with his niyyat. And you don't want to come yomul qiyamah being of those people who have been described in many ayat of the Quran. وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا يَوْمُ الْقِيَامَةِ وَقَدِمْنَا إِلَى مَا عَمِلُوا فَجَعَلْنَهُ هَبَاءً مَنْ ثُورًا al-Qiyamah, the people will come with their deeds, their dawah. And Allah is going to make their dawah and their efforts scattered particles. Because it wasn't for Allah. And if you look at those ayat of the Qur'an, and you look at the history of the Prophet ﷺ, and his companions, and the righteous predecessors after them, you see that they were people who were on cultivating the niyyah for Allah, being sincere to Allah. Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Qur'an, وَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مِمَّنْ افْتَرَى وَاللَّهِ الْكَذِبَ وَهُوَ يُدْعَى إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ Who is more oppressive than the one who, while he's being called to Al-Islam, he's making up lies, making up lies about whatever he's lying about. But the ayat show emphasis, Prophet Muhammad is calling him to Al-Islam. And he's making up knives. Prophet Muhammad wasn't calling the man to Arab nationalism. He wasn't calling the people to himself. He wasn't calling the people to be slaves of Quraysh. He was calling people to Al-Islam. Who is more oppressive than the one who, while he's being called to Al-Islam by the Prophet of Al-Islam, called to Al-Islam, that man is making up lies against Allah. 
saying that Allah has sons, saying that Allah has partners, Allah has a wife and all of that. A'udhu Billahi. And from those ayat that clearly show and indicate the importance of Adawal Allah, wa kathiru mahi is the statement of Allah Ta'ala, wa man ahsanu qawlin mimman da'a ila Allah, wa amila saliha, wa qala innani minal muslimin. Who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah, thumma amila saliha, and then he does the good deeds, and he says after that, I am from those who are Muslims. So the ayah said, who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah? Doesn't call to his madhab, doesn't call to his madrasa, doesn't call to his country, doesn't call to him sheikh, sheikh doesn't call to himself. His da'wah is to Allah. Unfortunately, many people were given da'wah to Allah. The da'wah is so that people could say, look at him. He memorized the Qur'an. Look at him. Look how much knowledge that he has. Look at this individual. And that's what the goal and the objective is. And others give da'wah, and the da'wah is to their group. And that's why they oppress people for the sake of their group. They don't even necessarily all the time believe in the positions of their group. But they told the party line because their da'wah is to the group and for the group. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قُلْ هَذِهِ سَبِيلِي أَدْعُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى بَصِيرَةً أَنَا وَمِنَ اتَّبْعَنِي وَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Tell them, Ya Muhammad, this is my way. I call to Allah. I call and I invite to Allah with knowledge. I do that and those people who follow me from the Muslims. So the sunnah of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is that your da'wah should be for Allah. Look at all of what the Prophet went through sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fi sabilillah and he was patient for what happened to him. Some of us go through a small fraction and although no one wants to go through that, we go through a small fraction of what the Prophet went through, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and lo and behold, we become those people who, we just really upset. We want to get intiqam. We want to get revenge and so forth and so on. So these ayat, along with this hadith, they are clear indicators. Isharat that are wadihat. That anybody who's going to do any action for Al-Islam, especially the virtuous action of Dawud Allah, who is better in speech than the one who calls to Allah. He doesn't call to any madhab, even if he teaches the madhab. When the madhab is wrong, he says the madhab is wrong. But when the madhab is wrong and he says that the haq is in other than his madhab, and he tries to squeeze or he pushes the haq away and he insists that the position of the madhab is right, then this person is not calling to Allah He has some shawaib in his heart. A person is calling to his group. Some people will not accept another person as being on the sunnah because they don't know him. So the vast majority of the people of this ummah, they don't live in the city of Birmingham. They don't live in Birmingham. So if someone were to contact a Muslim here in Birmingham, and he contacted us from the outskirts of Russia somewhere. And he said, I'm a Muslim, I'm going to come to Birmingham. Inshallah, can I hook up with you? 
we're going to say here, yeah, you're a Muslim, and we're going to have husnavan about you. The way some people are in the city of Birmingham is, nah, he's way in Russia, we don't know him, we don't know people where he come from, nah, he's not with us and we're not with him. That's not our religion. It's not our religion. We have to cultivate our nawaya, all of our intentions for everything. The Prophet ﷺ informed us that there would be a group of people who would go out and they would try to harm and destroy the Mahdi and the army of the Mahdi. The Prophet ﷺ told his companions, may Allah be pleased with him, that when they go out in order to try to destroy the Mahdi, they'll come to a place. And Allah is going to open up the earth and the earth is going to swallow the members of that army and swallow them alive. But with that army are going to be some of the locals who have nothing to do with the army and they have nothing to do with wanting to harm the Mahdi. But they get swallowed up because of their close proximity to the army that's trying to eliminate the Mahdi. Rahmatullahi alayhi. So the companions say, Ya Rasulullah, the earth is going to open up and swallow all of them up. The ones who are in the army, as well as the innocent people, the Prophet say, yes. يُخْصَفُ بِأَوَّلِهِمْ وَآخِرِهِمْ ثُمَّ يُبْعَثُونَ عَلَى النِّيَاتِهِمْ Allah will cause all of them to be destroyed. And then he's going to raise them up Yom Al-Qiyamah based upon their niyyah. Based upon the niyyah. So the one whose intention was to hurt the Mahdi will be raised up Yom Al-Qiyamah based on that. And the one who just got caught out there because he was in bad company, he lost his life because he's in bad company. So there's a lesson to be had from that. But he won't be raised up as an enemy from, towards the wali from the awliya of Allah And there are many hadith like that. إِذَا الْتَقَى مُسْلِمَانِ بِسَيْفَيْهِمَا if two Muslims meet each other and they both have their swords out or they both have their guns out, they both have their knives out and they're trying to kill each other. Prophet Muhammad said, the one that was murdered would be in the hellfire and the one that did the murdering would be in the hellfire. They say, Ya Rasulullah, as it relates to the one who murdered, we understand why he's in the hellfire. He's a qatil and nafs. He killed someone. But the one that got murdered, why is he in the hellfire? He says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, kana harisin ala qatil sahibihi. Because he was trying to kill the other man. He just didn't do it. His niyyah was to kill him. So he will be raised up Yom Al-Qiyamah, although he didn't complete the task. And there are a number of hadith like this. From the authentic sunnah of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who was traveling with his companions. Traveling with his companions. And they were traveling on a campaign for jihad. Fi sabirillah. Prophet Muhammad said to his companions in the midst of all of that. You people have not traversed and crossed any wadi. You never went across any land, any terrain, crossed any water except that. There are your brothers back in Medina who are with you as well. And they'll get the reward of crossing all of that. They said, how is that, Ya Rasulullah? And they're still in Medina. We came all the way out here and they're in Medina. How do they get this reward? He says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Habasahum, and Marab, 
because they were sick. They were not able to join us on the journey. But they had the niyat to join us. So the one right now who normally goes to Friday khutbah, he normally prays the prayers in the masjid or some of them. But he definitely goes to Juma every Friday. But for the last year almost, he hasn't been attending the masjid. Not for Juma, not other than that. And although at the beginning, his heart wasn't easy with it, but now he accepted it. He doesn't really like it, but it doesn't bother him as much. Is there something wrong with him and his Islam? I say no. No. Take the ruhsa. Take the concession that Allah has given you. Had the corona not been here, had the waba not been here, the pandemic, he would have been in the masjid. He would have performed the Jumu'ah prayer. He would have done this, done that. So when a person's niyat, a niyat of the individual is pure, <coughs> then the action will be pure. And from the benefits of the niyat, and there are many, is that the niyat can make an action that has nothing to do with the deen. It's a mundane action. But if a person puts his niyat to it, he'll get rewarded. That's one of the great benefits of the niyat. Taking a shower. A person takes a shower just to cool off. But if he takes the shower saying, I'm going to make a shower ghusl in preparation for the salah and to cool off, he'll get that reward. The Prophet used to wake up, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he had no intention of fasting whatsoever. He had no intention. But he would ask his companions, he asked his family members, there anything to eat? Anything to eat? They said, no, we don't have anything. He said, now I'm going to fast for the rest of the day. And he started his niyyah. Last thing that we want to mention about the niyyah, inshallah, is that the place of the niyyah is in the heart. For you revert Muslims, you new Muslims, you new Muslims, the reverts, newly practicing, you may start reading those books that teach you to pray, and they tell you you have to say, I intend to pray such and such a prayer behind this imam, four rakats, and so forth and so on. This is an innovation and it should be avoided. The niyyah is in the heart. The niyyah is in the heart. And it's important that it's developed in the heart. So when a person gets up in the morning for fajr, goes to the toilet, akramakumullah, starts to go to the basin to make wudu, all of that is part of his niyyah. He doesn't have to stand there and say, I intend to make wudu. I intend to walk to the masjid. The only time something of his niyyah comes out of his mouth is when he's making umrah or hajj, when he does the talbiyah, which is kind of like the niyyah. لَبَيْكَ لَعُمَّةً hajj or umrah. Oh Allah, here I am. To perform hajj or umrah, that's called the talbiyah. And it is part of the niyyah. That's the only time the person says out loud anything about his niyyah. Any other ibadah from the ibadat of Islam that you have been taught. I'm here, intend to pray this. It has no delil. And the hadith that we dealt with today, the person who teaches you says, you should make your niyyah with your tongue. And the proof of that is this hadith of Umar that we're talking about today. We say no. Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the one who gave us that hadith, he never taught his companions to practice that hadith the way you're teaching people. Or the way a person is learning. That when you get up and you're going to pray, you make this niyyah. This is not correct. 
Al-Imam Sufyan al-Thawri, he's another Amirul Mu'mineen al-Hadith. One of the ten. One of the ten. Al-Imam al-Bukhari, Al-Imam Ahmed, Al-Imam Abdullah, Ibn al-Mubarak, Abdullah Ahmad, Ibn Mahdi. And one of them is Al-Imam Sufyan al-Thawri. He said that he used to struggle with his niyyah. It was the biggest thing to make jihad in. His niyyah. And wallahi, if Al-Imam Sufyan al-Thawri had that, then I would say the vast majority of people who are given dawah right now should have that same problem. Myself included, that the struggle should be Al-Ikhlas. وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ دِينَ حُنَفَا They only were commanded to worship Allah with ikhlas and to establish the religion only for Allah. وَأَنَّ الْمَسَاجِدَ لِلَّهِ فَلَا تَدْعُوا مَا اللَّهِ أَحَدًا Verily the masajid are only for Allah. So don't call on anyone along with Allah. Don't call on anyone along with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا لِقَاءَ رَبِّهِ فَلْيَعْمَلْ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا Anyone who believes in meeting his Lord the last day, then let him do the righteous deeds. وَلَا يُشْرِكْ بِعِبَادَتِهِ أَحَدًا And don't let him make shirk with Allah concerning anyone. Prophet Muhammad told the people sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, anyone who does any action, dawah, any action, people, you hear that I'm going to destroy him, I'm going to destroy this one. Is your niyyah to destroy the brother? Or is your niyyah to worship Allah by helping your brother to do the right thing? Is your niyyah to expose the person and to embarrass the person? Or is your niyyah to please Allah by doing what he told you to do and covering up the mistakes of people so that they perchance can reflect as a result of your dawah. That's what we should be doing. You can tell the way people act and the way they are what their niyyah really is under all of that, even if they're screaming out now. So we ask Allah Ta'ala for al-ikhlas in our statements and our actions. Have a وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك وأشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.